Hi, I'm Allison Robertson, and this week on Hold the Drama, we are sitting down with April Laird. April has been working in the prop department on various productions since 2007. Talking with her only drove home what a collaborative effort it is to create a film or a TV show. She has such pride in what she does, and it really comes through when she talks about some of the other amazing prop masters that she has had the pleasure to work with and learn from. This is an often overlooked job in the industry, but what they provide to a production is so important. We feel lucky to get to sit down and talk with such an experienced on-set art department worker, and even luckier, we get to share that conversation with you. Enjoy. Hi, April. Hi, Allison. <laughs> so I'm here with you today as a prop master and set designer, and we're excited. I have so many questions for you. It's... Um, I love the world that you work in. I just know so little about it. But before we start, I have a question for you. How do you hold the drama in your life, professionally and personally? Well, that's a very open-ended question, I guess. Mm -hmm. could, there's a lot of different ways I could answer that. <laughs> and feel <But> free to. <laughs> I guess I don't know if I am able to hold all of the drama all of the time. It's mm -hmm. <laughs> the most right. honest answer. But um, as uh, as Melissa knows, I dabble in other things outside of film and television. Uh, I also play music, so I used to play in bands and whatnot uh, in the sort of east side circuit of L.A. Uh -huh. I play the cello. And, really? Uh, yeah, I grew up in the orchestra, so I sort of played in, like, folk rock bands, and that was a good, like, completely separate, you know, outlet, too. Is that how you blow off steam music? Yeah, yes, yeah, I mean, it's really hard, you know, I was into that. I also do jewelry making. I had, like, a little company and did, like, sort of the Etsy craft fair market, too. Just something, something that was creative in my own. I've always sort of made sure I had. Um, my job, you know, my occupation is rather creative in my opinion to begin with but i i had uh i realized after a couple of years in the industry that i had to have something that was completely mine and separate from everyone else's input and me sort of um, but you were the only input right 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 so um yeah i guess i would say like i'm just i'm very crafty and like sort of diy and you know i peruse pinterest looking for things i can make on my own and that kind of stuff. <laughs> I love that. Well, how did you get into the business? How did you? Come I to knew that I are? wanted to be in film since I was ten years old. I actually know the exact moment I decided that I wanted to be in film. Were um, you, was it inspired by something? It was inspired by <laughs> by a movie that's uh, a little uh, it's a little obscure and strange, but um, the movie The Prophecy from the early nineties. Like Christopher Walken and oh. Elias Cotiez and Eric Stoltz is in it. It's got a great Virginia Madsen. Uh, essentially, it's, you know, a good versus evil sort of like recanting of uh, the original angels and demons sort of, you know, archetypes, Theme, yeah. battles. And um, there's a certain sequence. I went to see that movie in the theater because my parents went to, they took me to see things that I definitely should not have been seeing. <laughs> um, but I thank them mm -hmm. greatly. And um, there was a small sequence where there was a battlefield, uh, an angel demon sort of battlefield, like impaled angels and these very dark, like, uh, images and stuff and I just thought that is fascinating how did they do that and I want to be a part of that so yeah so I, I mean even though I grew up in, in uh, playing music and I got a partial scholarship for my music at one point I always you know was planning on doing film production and um, I wanted to be in camera originally mm-hmm uh, be a cinematographer or an operator and I went to I went to school in Vancouver I went to Vancouver Film School 
and uh, got to school, loved my school. They, uh, our program forces us to uphold every one of the positions, the major positions, at least one time. So mm-hmm. I thought that was really great that I got a, a little feel for every little thing. But I realized um, therein that I had no interest in camera, <laughs> no interest in the math or the politics of camera. And, um, you know, my crafty side sort of started to present itself and people started asking me to art direct the short films. And I just sort of fell right into it. And the rest is history. I literally got referrals the whole first year that I lived here. Um I, I never even looked for a job. I, I got, I was very, very That's lucky. Amazing. That, yeah. I was really lucky that I started from a referral to a short film the first week that I lived here. And that short film went on to festivals and whatnot. And referrals from that sort of took me off. And I ended up getting into the IATSE union. And, you know, I've been here almost 11 years working it. <laughs> so for me, before we move on, prop, props, and set design. Give me, do yeah. they go hand in hand or? They, they do and they don't. Okay. Tell I would me. say as an art department person, hi, Pablo, <laughs> a sweet puppy dog in our, our midst, um, that the main, the layman's sort of difference between props and set dressing for those that don't know is that the props are everything that the actors are actually touching and interacting with in the scene or utilizing like, you know, food, weapons, drugs, you know, electronics, all those kinds of things fall in the prop department. The set dressing is all the existing furnishings within a set, you know, before the company comes in and and starts shooting, of course. So I also am a set dresser and I I enjoy doing that too, but I prefer to be on set Mm -hmm. while the shooting is happening with the actors working with, you know, the the team. So um, that's largely where I've preferred to be. Uh, And I guess most prop people and set dressers would say like, there's a slight difference in our sort of breeds, right? you know, prop people, I guess they're a little more, um, a little more, (laughs) we vibrate a lot higher, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) We're generally a little more anxious people, a little more like attention to small details, you know, tiny things, you know, if we're working constantly with, you know, the, the schedule and the, the draws of working on set. You're not doing just one overall set. You're, you're in the mix every day. Right. The the main thing that I get, I take away from the prop department is that I have to be really quick on my feet. You know, sometimes you really, you have to be able to manipulate ordinary objects to bend to your will for, for camera and for, you know, what the script calls for, (laughs) which doesn't always work, but you, you know, you, you get to be creative and sort of learn how to use items. And is that in the moment? thinking or it, a combination obviously yeah. and you pick up things along the way and you're like, oh i know how to make this work or you know oh that's awesome i can suggest this thing will work better than this thing or whatever so you came from school to los angeles not directly um i'm from atlanta born mm-hmm. and raised and i went back to atlanta after graduating for six months and worked for a small uh production company but i mainly just did like pa work and research for them uh, there wasn't a whole lot of art department work and, um, f- you know, field shooting for Bloomberg and the Weather Channel. So <laughs> <laughs> so I came out here. So once you get here, you you said that you just sort of started working right away. Mm-hmm. What is it that you're currently doing? What are you working on uh, now? Currently and um, imminently ending. I'm wrapping this week, actually. Uh, since October, I've been shooting a half-hour drama series for HBO. It's called Room 104. I'm the on-set prop master for that show. Uh, my prop master, Blanche Sindelar, is a fantastic uh, old school lady prop master. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we've just been doing that. It's it's kind of a whirlwind. It's a lot of episodes. Like I said, uh, I was telling you guys before, it's pretty 
short schedule, two to three day episodes. So it's big turn, fast turnover, but we've had wonderful, wonderful team, wonderful actors, like incredible people that just pull out these, you know, as the, the talent, when you walk in and you have a three day schedule and the talent has like 20 pages of dialogue that they have to pull out, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> it's really great. And what other things have you worked on before uh, that? Well, I've worked on everything. I mean, of, she's being, I, I can just see her thinking, but I'm telling you, she's worked on everything. I I've, mean, I've run the gamut. Right. Um, I, I, by choice, I exclusively day played, which mm-hmm. um, for those who don't know, it means, you know, you, you don't work full time in any one show uh, as a staff member. You're the extra pair of hands they call when they have heavier days. And I did that exclusively for five years because I wanted to maximize my networking and maximize my um, exposure to different kinds of shows. So I've done medical dramas. I've done um, crime dramas. I've done sitcoms, tons of sitcoms. I've done kid shows. I've done... Uh, you know, just regular multi-cameras. I've done, um, I haven't actually done a live audience show yet. That's something I haven't done. It's a, it's a something you want to do? I don't know. It'd be interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. Okay. So day playing, going from different genres and styles, and you said you wanted to do that because you wanted the experience. What did you learn from that? Um, I think the best thing that I took away from that was, well, besides a better overarching knowledge of props and you know because obviously you're you're using much different um materials on a medical drama like Grey's Anatomy Mm -hmm. versus like using uh forensic stuff on CSI um to the shows I've worked on uh but it's also it also gives you the ability to step back and see the big picture a lot with how you can associate with other departments Mm. which is something that I'm a very social person so it's something I really get out of this industry is um the necessity to associate and contact, be in contact with other departments and work with them, you know, as a collaborative team. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that sometimes you can get a little stagnant or a little uh, blinded into your own department if you don't, you know, refresh yourself enough times or, you know, I like to change it up. And I know you said you, your prop master you like now, is is she a mentor of yours? Did you have people along the way that sort of showed you what to do? Is this something that... You just innately know. I understand you had to learn something, but is this something once you found your niche where you're like, okay, this is where I belong? Yeah, I kind of, yeah, I kind of, it kind of fell in my lap. I think I, um, I didn't, I didn't specifically shoot for the prop department, but, um, just, you know, just art department in general. And I, I started in set dressing and set deck and art direction. I started art directing, um, short films and things like that. Hip hop videos in Atlanta. (laughs) And, (laughs) Uh, and, um, for whatever, whatever reason, I guess, because I'm so tactile props just seemed more natural for me. And it, it was, a it's a very specific relationship too with talent. Um, unlike the relationships that like, you know, HMU, like hair, makeup and, and wardrobe mm-hmm. has with them or, uh, or even other departments, you know, the above the line people, it's, uh, there's a certain level of respect that you have to, give the props themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite bosses had this great mantra that for the prop department that I really like and I take with me uh, is that we are the directors of the inanimate actors. <laughs> I love that. Which I really love. <laughs> I was like, it really is true because no yeah. one else is really caring that much about any of the objects on screen except for us. Right. And so it's kind of a point of pride, I guess. 
of, after a while of being the master of that. Right. And talk to me about I know I know props is your thing, but talk to me about set design. Um, well, I mean, I, I never really did that much designing on my own. Um, I did, you know, like I said, short films and, um, you know, ultra low budgets. I, I did a few of those, but, um, on the whole, I think that hierarchy and that section, like, is it something you want? Is it something you would want to do? Or is <laughs> No, I think, I think I tried it on and then I realized that I'm, I'm definitely more of the the worker bee type. I'm definitely less of the visionary type and I appreciate and love the, uh, the role that those people play. But I think that our role as worker bees and people who can execute people's visions are just as important. Can you tell me a little bit like the day in the life of you? Like, so when you're on set, when you're working on a show, anyone, uh, what, what does it entail? Uh, well, essentially, you know, you, you break down your day's work and you see what things, you know, you, you, all the elements that you need, including all the peripheral elements. Like, you know, for instance, if you're working with food props, you know, you have to have all the preparation materials and the cleanup materials and the reset materials and all that kind of stuff. And you got to suss out, you know, I'm, uh, I'm also very, uh, geared toward organization and like organizing your workspace and all that kind of stuff so that that is very helpful in the prop department because you constantly have to reinvent your workspace and your and you have to keep things clear and concise and uh organized so that you don't lose the oh, mind tiniest thing to my house yeah i used to be a professional <laughs> organizer too <laughs> i dabbled in that as well <laughs> i could see that <laughs> it's a thing i enjoy and so i for most people they think like okay so you get a script and you see what is needed so where does the creativity come for you in that? Uh, I guess, so the main thing for for props, I mean, and, and you know, and set deck and, and stuff too, is that uh, writers and directors want options. They mm. want options. And they don't necessarily know what they want. It's one of those things where it's kind of like you're taking your girlfriend out shopping and you don't know what you want until you see it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the way people write for us. Yeah. And they just expect us to manifest the thing that they don't know they want yes right so options are are a finesse that you have to learn over years of experience essentially because you know somebody could ask you to present a baseball bat there's 20 different things that you could provide you could give them right and so you could provide five options for them and that's not enough because none of them those are right (laughs) i just have one more follow-up on this because (laughs) i just want to know how the mindset works on that because for me i think like well here here's here's the baseball bat the end right right so how do you how do you take prop it people, when, prop people yeah. that approach it in that way where they're like, here's your thing. <laughs> that does not work very well. No. <laughs> it's not. People, writers and directors do not like to be told, here's your one option. So it's like a puzzle. You're figuring out yes, the pieces yes, that they yes, need. It's, and it's, you don't care which one they choose. No, it's not. It's not for me to care. It's, you know, sometimes it's for me to try to encourage in a certain direction for um, for logic sake and uh, physics sake. <laughs> a lot of times we're like the phys- physics and logic police. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what, what we, what our opinion is. It's just our professional opinion based on what they want to be executed. But they can choose whatever they want. It's, you know, it's up to them. That, the, so there's, that might feel like there's some freedom in there because you get to give choices and it doesn't, you don't have any uh, stake in the outcome other than it yeah, looks great. There, there's a little... Yeah, or you know, it's it's a toss up. Obviously, every situation can be can, can be vastly different. Um, in that, I think uh, overall, a morale approach to 
um, a flexibility from above the line people to um, departments like mine is so greatly appreciated versus, mm-hmm. you know, you are just providing an unending uh and un- options. Yeah, unending options, just killing yourself, finding unending options, hoping to hit the mark. But, you know, there's a lot of sort of, like, gaslighting that happens in terms of, like, you doubting yourself. I bet. <laughs> on some shows. I bet. Um, you know, everyone everyone wants to give their input. Everyone wants to feel like they're doing their part and they're giving their input. And, you're and a they're magician, saying, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> my, one of my mantras is, I am a team player. I am not your butler. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. I love everyone. I'm here to I'm here to do the thing, but I am a part of the team. I'm not here to just find. Just find. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm part of the team. I love yeah. that. Uh on your way from Vancouver, Atlanta to here, were you always working in this industry or did you have any odd jobs to keep the lights on? No, I I was very lucky. I have always stayed right straight arrow. Since college, um, I mean, I did my my two and a half years of purgatory at Blockbuster in junior college, <laughs> but you were but, just you were just learning edgy. You were just getting educated. I was just getting a lot of free rentals. Exactly. <laughs> I was just cataloging my my backlog of of knowledge, film knowledge. I love that. Um, so because you know you started, you said you started out in the camera department. Realized that wasn't for you. What would you say to someone who thinks they're crafty and would like to be in the industry and has ideas of how to give different options? How, what's some advice you would give to someone who maybe is thinking about this? Um, well, I guess from my personal perspective, um, I don't think enough people let themselves, uh, I don't think enough people allow themselves to be that sort of worker bee position. Mm. I feel like there's a lot of pressure for people to all feel like they, they have a visionary input to contribute. And just, I mean, there just isn't that that's just not not supportable. It's not necessary. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And we're so saturated with so much content that people are just trying to make content versus, you know, maybe, uh, maybe giving other content more value, more Mm -hmm. production value, more, creativity. Um, and I, I would say, I guess, you know, people who are starting out in this industry really like pay attention to where you really do fall and where your strengths and weaknesses really do lie and be honest about that. And I feel like that's, that's largely what's kept me going steadily in my career is that I've never, I never shied away from being like, I'm not, I'm not the best. I'm not like the, you know, I'm not, you know, it's not only the Oscar-winning production designer option. That's not the only attainable goal. There are so many different places to be in such a huge hierarchy and a huge um, department of the art department or any of the departments in our industry that everything is value is valuable and of, shouldn't of, of be overlooked. The learning process. Yeah. Did you do you feel your your film school education helped or was it more you doing? I think my film, my personal film school education really helped me in um, the way that I mentioned before that uh, I don't meet too many people who go through a program where they have had to uphold every major position Mm. and they have had to see um, projects from beginning to end with all those major like uh, sections and the major process bits. Like um, a lot of people get a little pigeonholed and blinded into their departments and it, it it hinders the overall product, I think, because 
I think some people have um, gaps in their knowledge of where other departments overlap and how they're meant to work together and how they're meant to be more seamless. And, you know, who do you go to for help with this issue versus who do you go to for help with this issue? Or how can I help this department and make this better or whatever? And I think that's one of the most overlooked, underrated um, skills to have in this industry. So it's sounding to me like the prop department is uh, Switzerland. They're the diplomacy of the set. We're kind of like the whipping boy, and we're I, also like the hero. I got it. <laughs> Depending I, on like Switzerland, mom- you, you figure yeah, it out. We're, You're we're keeping moment everybody. to moment. We could be the worst or the best of person <laughs> on set. Now, is there a particular um, procedural, either medical or? or crime or sitcom is there something you like better or do you like the diversity um i really i like the diversity but i really do like working in drama and sort of that i guess you know much like my current project uh Mm -hmm. room 104 something that skirts a line sort of that dramedy quote-unquote genre um i've done a lot of sitcoms a lot of comedy and um comedy is really really tough on the prop department why there's a lot of reasons (laughs) (laughs) there's first of all a lot of writers and a lot of writers on set and that has happened since the writer strike of 2007 Uh, exponentially there are more and more writers especially in um, episodic sitcom television and it just it becomes sort of um, to be a little vulgar it becomes a little wank fest, kind of, <laughs> and it's you know so you know I is I, it just because there's there's more input from people? It, is... um, it's kind of like there's too many cooks in the kitchen all the time, but mm-hmm. all the cooks feel obligated to present their input because they need to feel like they're doing their job too. And it's, you know, they're stuck in a hard place too, because now they're on set. They don't know anything about being on set. They've never been on a set, but they're, Oh, can we just do this? Or how about this outline? Or how about this? You have these four other objects that you've never heard of, like on your truck. Sure. We give me one second. You know, like <laughs> it's that kind of situation. Like, um, I've done enough comedy sitcom comedy that, uh, I'm not too much of a fan of it anymore. Because procedurals is pretty straightforward, right? Procedurals is, uh, you get a little more updated information. You get a little more heads up. You get the scripts, you know, before the day you're shooting, presumably, or maybe even before that. Um, And so it's a little more organized. It's a little more straightforward. And I feel like a little more, the morale is higher because everyone's a little more relaxed. Things run a little smoother, a little more efficient. And that's what I prefer. <laughs> is there is there like a favorite um, prop request you've had? A favorite? Yeah. Like, is there something that someone asked you for and you're like, I know how to do that or like it was unusual? Mm. Um, I don't know. I mean, like most of the things people ask me for, it's like ordinary objects. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, do you have a, you know, phone cover that this? I'm like, oh, I have this thing and I have, bez- I can bedazzle it for you, you know, like that kind of <laughs> stuff. But uh, probably the weirdest thing I ever had to make as a prop thing Mm -hmm. was um years ago i had a customer friend who did a commercial and it was an integration commercial with uh it was a christmas commercial with alien it was like when alien versus predator was coming out and she had to make the santa suit for alien and (laughs) part of it was that they wanted him to have a Mm jetpack on his back that uh, emitted smoke so i had to build this jetpack for her so that was quite a situation because you know it's the guy in the suit and like the santa suit and like getting it all on and like making sure it all worked and 
How do you know how to do that? You don't. <laughs> you just work it out. <laughs> you just trial and error. Much much of the art department is just trial problem and error. Problem solving. Yes. Pro- well, problem solving, but also like, you know, presumably you, it, yeah, you're just, it's your educated guess. And you it know, must be like playing. So you, you get there and the, you, you just, you're not afraid to throw yourself into this. Well, I'm you can't saying. be. Otherwise you're just. Yeah, I would be having an anxiety attack. I can tell you that right now. Am I the jerk that didn't turn my phone off? Oh, yes, totally I am. <laughs> Just edit that out, guys. <laughs> so tell me um, what's happening next. I know you're ending the show on HBO right now, but what's on the horizons for you? How does it? How does the future work for you? Um, well, uh, the immediate future is kind of up in the air. It's kind of how it happens. Um, unless, you know, I guess, let me back up. Uh, the last two or three years, I think, um, our sort of normal seasonal schedule in the industry has changed up. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of shows are um, taking on that UK format of six to eight episode series, mm-hmm. or there's all kinds of uh, third party content providers now that are breaking up all these like old networks, which I'm I'm actually really behind, even though a, a large part of my career has been for the major studios. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's at least challenging that formulaic same thing and there's so much good television now because of it oh yeah but um but it has made it more difficult for people who rely on the the seasonal sort of um the ebb and flow of work because things start and stop all over the place now they don't there's not sort of like a general month or two month you know time that you're oh well this is when pilot season is or this is when you know fall whatever making content all the time it's all the time it's all everything and then so sometimes you can't even repeat working on the same show that you would have wanted to or they would have wanted you for because something came and went and you had to move on so um uh honestly it's kind of more of a like up in the air situation these days but uh, that's exciting to me i never really worry because something always comes up would you like to work on some of these epic shows like Game of Thrones or somebody that, you know, that's period? Yeah, she's shaking her head yes. <laughs> well, um, I don't know if Melissa knows this, but I, I actually moved to Scotland for a while because I was trying to get on Outlander. Oh, I love that show. <laughs> um, that's my favorite book series. And, I, you know, I've loved it since I was a kid. And um, I've also wanted to live in Edinburgh since I was a child. So I tried. Uh, I couldn't get the uh, paper. Couldn't get, couldn't get the bureaucratic red tape oh. to work for me, so I was only there for six months. But uh, and came back. But yes, largely my gr- dream is to be. I got into this. I think I got into the art department largely because I'm such a history nerd and I love period pieces. I love period work, and I haven't actually been able to do much of it in my career. So um, that is something when that you I get would to really. Do that, yeah, right? yeah. When I get to, it's I'm really jazzed. It's awesome like period episodes or, you know, something of that nature. I've never done a period series. I got a call for one this last year, but I wasn't able to take it. But oh. yeah, it was a bummer. It's oh. <laughs> a huge bummer. That would be amazing. So on, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to ask you, and you can answer this in a moment, if, or you can even tell me your favorite. I just want to know, do you have a favorite moment in your career or and a favorite show, any favorite shows you've worked on? Um, I don't know. There's, I would say, I guess several of my favorite moments, mm-hmm. uh, were probably, uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live moments. I worked on that show 
in the prop department and set dressing department for about five seasons on and off. And that was my home show for a while. And so I had the opportunity to work with a lot of A-listers for very short periods of time. Uh, but one thing sticks out to me. One of my favorite shoots I did was, um, I don't know if you guys are Kimmel watchers, but um, Guillermo, our favorite mm-hmm. Mexican, mm-hmm. He, I, was, I used to do all of the field shoots with him and um, that skeleton crew. And we did a shoot with Matt Damon when they uh, plugging The Informant, that mm-hmm. movie, The Informant, years ago. And we did a fight scene with him and Guillermo, but they were fighting in... They were fighting in slow motion in real time, and it was probably one of the funniest, like, it was one of the best nights of my entire life. It was, like, Matt Damon and Guillermo, like, slow motion fighting real time. I mean, he's, you know, Matt Damon's had so much combat training training that, like, I mean, everything he did was just brilliant, and we were just dying. And the best was, it didn't actually make it to the original cut, but I do have a video of the gag working where our prop maker made a breakaway toilet, an entire toilet, not just the back or anything, like the whole toilet um, out of silicone. I had to like carry it over to like Beverly Hills Hotel where we were shooting this thing and, the, you know, jostling in the five ton, like trying to protect it from breaking apart in transit. And um, Matt Damon smashes it over Guillermo's head and it's... It was one of the greatest moments of my career. I gotta be honest. We were just trying to be quiet and not ruin the take by laughing too loud. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that was a good moment. So you enjoyed working on the Kimmel show. What other shows? I mean, there's so many that you've worked on. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I've, I've you know, I, I day played exclusively for five years, so I, I kind of ran all over the place. But um, <clears throat> I did four seasons of New Girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one of the more formative periods of my career um also one of the more challenging like like what i mean about sitcoms and writers and it's 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 always um there's a lot thrown at you all the time constantly but i feel like that show and similar shows are where i really got my chops and really learned to like be light on my feet and um move move quickly and move confidently in making a decision and moving on you know like make this thing work okay make this thing work oh it doesn't work this way I have to have two other ways of trying to make this thing work. Right. 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 Um, under the gun. And that's a, that's an incredibly useful skill, uh, in the prop department specifically is being able to like, or or idea making, uh, well, (laughs) being able to maintain your cool Mm -hmm. in those super pressurized moments where you're having to like on the fly, create something or modify something and make it work for the gag they're wanting you to. So someone that's sitting out there listening to this, how do you get there? I mean, I know yours was because you've been working all the time, but let's say someone's trajectory isn't that straight, right? I mean, Should they inter- do they intern? Do they watch? Where do, what? Yeah, do they keep, I mean, you know, I, I, trying stuff at home? How does it, how did, how did you know you could do this? I kind of didn't. <laughs> I kind of just faked it till I made it, um, which I think is something that, a lot of people should just take on more and should just confidently just barrel in and just say, you know, I don't know it. I don't know anything, essentially, you know, go in, go in with the knowledge that you have the ability and the capability, but you do not have the knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so if you go in thinking like that, then you can confidently troubleshoot where your, um, you know, where your knowledge lacks you know, you're not something, trying to be right. You're just trying to get the job done. You're just you're not trying to be right. You're just trying to get the job. Like I, you know, we say a lot of the time, like don't be the hero, right? <laughs> like don't be the hero. Don't spend too much time because you need 
there's so many other things that you need to care to as well. So it's really about hitting all the hitting all the best marks. And I don't know, I guess it's just a finesse that you just learn over the years. Do you think being a musician helped you? Because your confidence is, I wish I could bottle it and we could sell it. <laughs> because it's not arrogant or, or it's not ego filled. It's There's just a, a current of confidence. It's It's basically just you know, I know the value of what I can pull out and what I can't. And I'm honest about it. And I think people respect that. Um, you so know. It goes back to knowing your value. I mean, knowing the value of what yeah, you're bringing I think, to the table. I think a lot right? of people in this industry, um, and, and I, and I was definitely, uh, guilty of this in the early years of my career, like, you know, shying away and, de- and being too demure and not speaking up enough or being in, or having trouble admitting that you don't know something or having trouble admitting that you, there's a, a portion or a section of your department that you ha- don't have as much knowledge and, you know, or asking questions. And I think that's once I got over that fear that my career exponentially, you know, was more extens- more Good. successful. Yeah, because it's just it's not about you knowing everything going into it. It's about you working with people and the different personalities and figuring it out together collectively. I think that's the more valuable skill that. Has there ever been a moment that you wanted to quit? Many, many moments. Tell me. (laughs) Tell me. How did you overcome it? What made you stay in it? What made you not stay in Scotland and find that guy? Yeah, I went to Scotland (laughs) I went to Scotland because uh, New Girl was killing my soul. <laughs> Honestly, um, there was just there was just so much above the line um, placating and just so much coddling and so much yesing and um, so little um, encouragement for below the line below the mm. line people in certain things. I feel really bad that I'm like bad mouthing something that gave me employment for four solid years, but. Um, that kind of atmosphere is something that I try to distance myself from now. I think I look I look for jobs that have a higher morale and a more um, broad respect, you know, for everyone, for everyone and person to person. And obviously that's that's, you know, not the easiest thing to find from job to job and in industry to industry. But um, that's something that I guess has helped me maintain my sense of value is that I'm not willing to put up with it anymore because I have. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's it doesn't do anything. It doesn't help the efficiency. It doesn't help the content. It doesn't help the overall product. Right. To have that atmosphere. So when you feel like quitting, <laughs> I mean, we can't all just run away to Scotland, or we could, right? But uh, is your desire to do this stronger? I mean, how do you... I think at times I've, I've questioned whether or not it was this city that made me... A, uh-huh. That I wasn't happy with, or my career. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably why I left too, mm-hmm. to sort of explore that. And ultimately, I realized that I do love doing what I do. I do love my job. It's just that sometimes um, in Hollywood, you know, here in the epicenter of the industry, um, sometimes things are a little too inflated and that's not the atmosphere that I want to work in, but they're still amazing. Plates. You know, the, the show I'm working on right now, the Duplus brothers, heck yeah, you guys. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good people to work for. This is where you want to be. Really rad people to work for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you obviously everyone has their value and everyone plays their part and you know, some 
positions are more have more value because they have more impact on the overall product. But that doesn't diminish everybody else's part in it. Absolutely. Um, so I think I just sort of go there. I just sort of remind myself that, you know, we are valuable. We are we all do our part and we all contribute. And you just got to find someone who's aware of that and acknowledges right. that. So anyone going into into your field needs to know they're a team player, period. They're a team player. You're a team player. It's a collaborative yeah. medium. It will always be a collaborative medium. Right. Many people, many people have forgotten that aspect. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. <laughs> right. And that's that's one of the main things I get out of it. I think that's one of the main things a lot of people get out of it, but it's something that's not talked about as much as it used to be and it really you know, I like to remind myself and remind other people like, hey, we're all working together because this is what we chose to do, not because we had the better idea from everyone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like the wank fest situation right. so much. I love the wank fest. That's making, my, <laughs> making me laugh. Um, do you ever regret not um, leaving the camera department? Do you ever look over there and think, well, you know, I've done very well here where I'm at. Could I... Could I broaden my... Do you have any any things you want to do? I only look at the camera department wistfully in a monetary way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> From a monetary position, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh, they make $300 more a day than I do. <laughs> Usually they're just sitting around. No, I'm right. just kidding. <laughs> they, work, they work very hard, too. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I you know, I guess I've been curious. I probably, because of my music background, um, I probably would have gone into the sound department if I hadn't fallen into art. Um, I, for a while, was very interested in Foley sounds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Foley artists, I think, are fascinating. I was a big, like, nerdy Lord of the Rings fan and stuff like that, where I'd watch all those, like, you know, behind-the-scenes featurettes about, like, how they were creating sounds and stuff that never existed before and, mm-hmm. like, the the creativity and elements of that. And I always loved that. They're, I'm a big sound department proponent. I love the sound department. So I guess that would have been my, my real true second backup plan, but... They also make way more money than we do. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm hearing a theme here with yeah. the prop department. Um, I am so fascinated by what you do because I, I can't fix a pen if it breaks. So, um, you're just the one who breaks the pen. Yeah, I'm definitely and the one. And I'm going to cool, cool. I'm going to turn to you and be like, help. Uh, so I, I, I think it's amazing your your confidence and your um, patience and. It's and, a lot about patience, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot about patience. I, I, can, I think that's where your confidence comes from, is, is in your patience. And I cannot wait for you to get on an epic period piece. Thank you. Yeah, the one that slipped through the cracks this year um, is The Alienist, if you guys have seen the posters around oh, for that. I have. Yeah, it's um, another female prop master who's uh, an old great, uh, Ellen Freund. Mm-hmm. And she's wonderful too. And um, they were shooting it in Budapest. And it was, um, you and oh, I, Don, talked hurt. about Art Deco and, and uh, Victorian era. It is, it is 1896 New York shot in Budapest. <sighs> and it's a murder mystery. And I'm a huge true crime fan. So it was kind of my dream job. <laughs> It's super be- my dream job. <laughs> the beginning of what's going to happen. Yeah, but exactly. But there's always next year or next whatever. But yeah, that's uh, that. That would be that would be a highlight for my career. I'm, something something of that caliber is definitely what I've always wanted. I think that's that's next. And when you when you get that epic period piece, we are coming to visit you. Hey, <laughs> thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. You're awesome. 
Thank you all for listening to Hold the Drama. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did, and you learned a little something about what it takes to create a life in show business. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. You can follow us on Facebook at Hold the Drama, Instagram at Hold underscore the drama, or Twitter at Hold underscore the drama. And remember, when it all feels a bit much, take a moment to breathe, dig in, and tell the universe to hold the drama.